just got off the phone with somebody on this one, and I really want to talk about it. I want to kind of go into depth on this. And one of the thought processes is the fear of the unknown. How scared of you are the unknown? How how does it does it traumatize you the unknown? Do you charge into it? Uh, do you educate yourself before you put your big toe in? How do you handle the unknown? And and I and I watching and over all of these companies. These companies keep coming in. They they peruse the software, you know, Square Coil, and they're looking at it and they're trying to figure out if they want to pull it pull the trigger for their company or not. And at some point in time, you watch that fear take over them and they say, oh, we're going to have to get back here. We're going to take a look. And, and I can literally pinpoint it. I can hear the, the drop in their voice. I can hear the change in the tone. And you can just tell that they've realized the fear of the unknown. And I want to talk about that for a little bit. The fear of the unknown is it's, – it's scary. I guess it's scary. It's never been scary to me. I love the unknown because I'm always learning. It's always something new. I, I have I have that passion for understanding the unknown and wanting to know the unknown. So for me, it's exciting. But for most of the population, it's actually quite scary to them, and it's almost intimidating or or it even you know freezes them in their tracks. Why? That's my question. Why? Why is it so scary? So I have the ideas, and my ideas are: it's scary because they don't want to make a wrong decision. Okay, I can I can get that. I can get behind that. You don't want to make a wrong decision. You're afraid you might have to backtrack if you do something wrong. But is that really is a bad thing to backtrack? And is there, are you really backtracking? So when you have a fear of the unknown and you don't know what you're going to do, and you pick a wrong, let's let's say you do it, you pick the worst possible solution, and you start going down that path, and you realize it's a bad solution. You learned a lot from that. You just got an education. Education didn't stop in college when you stopped paying for it. It didn't stop in high school when you stopped going and you graduated. Your education is constantly going at you and you're constantly learning. So even though you made a wrong path, you got an education you learned and that education might behoove you, might be better for you in what, 10, 15, 20 different decision-making processes you're going to have in your future. So that education was worth the wrong path that you went down. Not a big deal. All right, let's say... You have a fear of making the wrong decision and you make a lukewarm decision and your company barely changes. You got an education and it didn't even hurt your bottom line. So that really doesn't have a problem. And then you have a fear of the unknown of how much work and time is this going to do for you? Because obviously the last one where I'm going to talk about is you have a fear of making a wrong choice. You actually make a right choice and it's a win. If you make a right choice and it's a win, you're going to start to trust your gut. You're going to believe in yourself a little bit more. It's just a win all the way around. So I don't have to talk about that. We all know that one. We love that one. That's like deciding to bring flowers home to your wife. That's a gut decision. And at the end of the day, we know it's a win. So those we we know the end conclusion on that one. But when you're scared to make a decision, you're going to make up excuses why you don't have to make this decision right now. And those excuses are usually what? I'm too busy. Oh, we have a great workload. Oh, other people aren't going to buy in, so I don't need to. And you start making excuses for yourself so you don't have to make that tough decision. Why do we make so many excuses? I don't, I don't understand that. Why do we stand in front of our own progress? It really blows my mind. I want to talk about a unique company. And by the way, this sentence is what I hear in every single sign company that I go to. Well, we're a unique company. I'm going to tell you right now, please listen up very closely. This is what I hear when you say you're a unique company. What you're about to tell me doesn't apply to me. And I'm going to tell you how we can stay exactly how we are and everything's going to be okay. That's what I hear. That's exactly what I hear every single time. We're unique. So what you're about to teach us doesn't apply to us. It's 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 not for us. Don't worry. Uh, we're just going to keep going the way we are. That's what I hear when I say we're a unique company. I'm going to tell you right now, you're not a unique company. 
Not even close. You are the same as every single person. And here's what it is. Have a client that comes in that wants a product. You build the product. You give it to the client. The client gives you money. That's your business. That's everybody else's business. Now, how you create that business funnel and how you give different customer service, how you how you give your customer service or the, the value to your client, that's up to you and, and how you make your company unique. And I'll give you the word unique on that one. How you give them that customer service is fine. But at the end of the day, your business is identical to everybody else. Give the customer what they want in the way of a product and bill them for it. End of list. So uh, whenever they say, I'm a unique company, we know you're full of it right there and you're already making excuses. So now instead of us teaching you, you know what we're doing? We're helping you get over your own fears. You're paying me to help you get over your own fears. That's what you're paying me for. And it blows my mind. If you have pulled the trigger or about to pull the trigger, you're already there. So what are other fears that you have on why you don't want to pull the trigger and move forward with possible great upgrades to your company? And I'm not just talking my software. Buying a new router, buying a channel letter bender, a new paint booth, a new truck for installations, anything of that nature, what are your fears? Now, the monthly strokes, yep, totally get that. A financial burden, a financial hardship, yes, if you can't afford it, we might have to save our pennies for that. Totally understand that. It's a smart move on a financial level as long as you don't use it as a crutch. But in the end, what we always find, so I'm going to talk specifically about the software right now. Right before people decide to buy their software, they say, well, this is a gigantic culture change. This is scary to me. What is my company going to look like on the other side? And it's not a culture change. When you pull a trigger on an organizational system, that organizational system better be able to adapt to the culture of your company. You guys shouldn't be able to, uh, shouldn't be changing at all. You guys shouldn't be saying, okay, well now it's A, B, C, D. Sorry, we can't give options. We can't give layouts. We can't give that warm and fuzzy feeling to our customers anymore. We're stuck in this organizational chart that we've purchased. That's furthest from the truth absolutely furthest from the truth. And, I, and it kind of blows my mind that people think like that because any good software out there should adapt to the culture of your company 100%. That way you guys can still be giving so much value to your clients while streamlining your organization. I mean, that's the whole goal. So I want to talk about some stories we have when people get on. And I have, I have two types of companies for the most part. I have where the owner gets on and he, and he shuts all the doors. He doesn't let anybody know that he's, he's interviewing us for possible software. And he shuts all the doors. It's just him. And he goes, all right. And we give our little dog and pony show. And he goes, well, what about this? What about that? What about this? And, he, and he's just poking. And he's poking in such an aggressive manner that he doesn't really want an answer. I can tell that right off the bat. He's poking to poke a hole in it. And as soon as he pokes the holes in it, it doesn't go to his line of thinking. He goes, yep, not for me. And he can get out. And then he feels good about himself that he tried to look for something. He tried to find an organizational chart. It didn't work. And he goes, sorry, guys, we got to go with the way we were at. We got to go with what we've been doing and we're not going to change it at all. They're out there. I'm not going to lie. Most owners are like that. They know that they need to change and adapt to the new economic times and the new cultures that are coming through and our world and what's changing. They know they need to do it, but they're scared of what could be on the other side. So they will actually waste their time, interview different companies that could propel them, and then poke holes in it to the point that they go, see, it's not for me. And then they feel comfortable sitting inside of where they're at, inside their little, their safe space, their little home right there in their little nucleus and saying, nope, that's just right where I need to be. I'm not going to lie. Those companies are probably not going to be around in five to 10 years, or in five years, they're going to get a nasty wake-up call. They're going to end up having to exponentially change their company, shock the culture of the employees inside that company to try and make up for all that lost time that they had. We've watched it time and time again. 
I, I, I literally watch it. And I've watched companies go out of business because it was too late. No matter how much they pulled up, they were driving their company into the ground. There's nothing they could do about it. And so when we talk about fear of the unknown, I really want to drill down even further into that. What really is the fear of the unknown? And I'm going to tell you right now, it's lack of vision. And that's what it is. It's your lack of vision. You as the owner, you as the manager, you need to have a good vision. And if you don't have a good vision of where you want your company to go, you're just doing the day-to-day grind. You're not propelling your company to the next level. You're just trying to get through your day. There's another word for that. It's called stagnant. And you never want to be stagnant. You want to be constantly evolving. So now that we've encapsulated it, we know the word vision. What does vision mean? You got to have a vision of where you want your company to go and then you got to find the steps necessary to go for it. Your vision could be, it could be many different things. You could have a vision to have increased employee morale. You could have a vision that I want to scale my company. You could have a vision that says, I want more value to our clients. So when they call us, they just know we are the best. You could have a vision to clean up the work environment. So it just feels better for employee morale. There's so many different things you can do with a vision. And I highly suggest you only pick one at a time. Or you can spread yourself too thin. Because as much as we hate to admit it, we do have our day-to-day grind that we need to get through every day. We gotta answer our emails, we gotta sign the paychecks, we have to go through all those steps. And they're and they're cumbersome, they're tedious, and they're there for a reason. It's not like we're doing it just to fill the void. They're they're there for a reason. But I really want you guys to focus on your vision. I got a story for you, and this is probably one of my favorite stories in all of, of all of my dealings in Square Coil. We had a client call up and he goes, we've been in the sign industry for umpteen years, we're family business, three generations, and we're looking to evolve and do something even better. And I said, okay. And we talked for a little bit and, and he gave his woes, which are valid woes. He talked about uh, not being able to control the installers correctly. He talked about the sales guys all kind of being all over the place and we don't really know what's going on. The shop guys are getting multiple orders and copies and they, they don't jive with one another. And, and all the typical woes that most manufacturing companies have. And I get it. We understood. And we talked a little philosophy on that. And then I said, okay, well, here's the demo. Go ahead and watch the demo and get back to me and tell me what you think. This is my favorite thing. We I got to fast forward here. So we, he signs up, we go out there, we train him and we go to lunch. He sits down and he goes, you know, Aaron, I watched the video for 10 minutes. I shut it off. I looked at my son and said, we're moving forward with this. And he goes, and I just ate lunch and that was it. And we just, we just moved on. And I, and I said, wait a minute, hold on, hold on. back up, back up, back up, back up, back up. Why'd you only watch it for 10 minutes? He said, I'll tell you why. I could tell you knew what you were talking about. And since you were talking about it, I knew since you knew what you were talking about, I was going to team up, make an alliance, and create a partnership with you, and I, you were going to take care of me. And I said, I still need more words. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm digging here. I know, but I need more words. And he goes, you knew the industry. You knew my pain points. I could tell in your meeting. I wasn't just buying the software. That's a platform that could be good. It could be bad. It's not a big deal. But what I was buying is a partnership with you and you knew my pain points. So I knew I was going to be taken care of in the years to come as you evolved. I was looking for somebody who had a vision, not so much what the end product was. That's what he got out of that. And he had a better vision than I had. He knew exactly what he wanted and how he wanted it. I couldn't have put that into words. If you were t- He knew exactly what he wanted and how he wanted it. I couldn't have put that into words. If you were telling me why I'm working with one person or another, I'd say, well, they got a good product. They have a good thought process. He dove deeper. And I want you guys to dive deeper too. What's your vision and who are you making your alliances with and what's their vision? His vision was to scale his company and make it more cohesive. He looked for somebody who had the same vision and knew the industry very well. That's amazing. 
that is absolutely amazing for me. I I love that story because he understood what his purpose was. I use purpose and in, in vision interchangeably in this one, and really I shouldn't be because purpose is a little bit different. But in the end, he had a vision for what it is. I'll talk about another one. A guy super excited, just had a just had a love for his business, had a love for his company. He came in, he was excited, he was energetic, he was happy, looked like he had four cups of coffee on the way to work every single day. He was just one of those hyper people. And he did the best he could with his company every single time that he came in. Excited, pumping up employee morale all the time, uh, getting his work done, getting emails, taking care of clients the best he could. You know, he would apologize if the email was more than 24 hours old. He was, I'm sorry, I didn't get to you in time. How may I help you? He had all the right stuff in his head, but he was just doing the day-to-day grind. He didn't have a vision. He didn't know where his company was going to go. He just knew he had to come in and do the day-to-day grind and do it as best as he could. I applaud him. I thought it was a great idea. I thought it was a really beautiful idea to come in, have good morale, make it infectious of that smile. You know, when you smile, everything's infectious. And, And then just keep that going. But he didn't have a vision. When you don't have a vision, to me, it's, it's like being the, you know, the captain of a ship and being blindfolded. Are you going in circles? Are you going in the right direction? Uh, did you stumble upon, you know, a pot of gold at the end when you came, uh, came, ran aground? How, what, what's going on here? And without that vision, you don't have a clear purpose. And without a clear purpose, you don't have a direction where to go. And so I really want to really have you guys take the time to understand what is truly your vision. And so let's dive into some of the, the visions that you could have. And I'll, and I'll give you some examples. Steal them. Use them. I'm good. But I just as long as you have a place to start, this is what we're going to do. Vision number one, scaling your company. If you're going to scale your company, we need to figure out how you're going to get more market share. And if you're going to get more market share, how are you doing your advertising? Are you on your advertising? Are, is it word of mouth? Uh, are we printing out flyers? I know that's old school, but it still is effective. Are we doing more social media? Are we uh, incentivizing our clients to give us good reviews? Are we giving discounts for multiple signs? Are we giving discounts for multiple HVAC units being installed at once? How are we incentivizing or how are we getting that marketing out there? Vision number two, how are you doing on employee morale? You know, that's a, that's a big one. You know, uh, um, the owner of Virgin Airlines, he, he was big on that. If you ever read his book or listen to him speak, he was always big on take care of your employees first. Take care of your employees first and everything else will work themselves out. And I agree to that. I think it's a great philosophy. So if you're going to take on the vision of employee morale and make your company a really fun place to work for, how are you going to achieve that? I'll give you a secret. This actually came to me from a company in Canada and the wife had taken the time to paint all the walls and all the doors throughout the shop. So when you walked in, it was blues, it was greens, it was reds. Uh, it was fun colors. And when you walked in there, you couldn't help but smile because there was a bunch of bright colors in there. How many of you guys right now, how many right now, you walk into your office, all the walls are gray or an off-white. Or some drab color that you have no idea that is slowly making you depressed. I'm not going to lie. How hard is it and how expensive is it for you to paint the walls? That's a weekend and a six-pack of beer. That's what that is. And, I'd, and, I, and I'll tell you right now, I've done it. I personally have done it. If you walk around my shop, all the doors, the walls are painted. It's a fun environment. It's a it, it's more enjoyable. You can't help but smile when you walk in the four walls because it's a bright, fun color. Your brain subconsciously figures that out. You know in hospitals are all painted blue for a reason, right? It's soothing. Can you imagine walking into a hospital and all the walls are painted red? You know how many people would be pissed off? <laughs> they don't even know why they're upset. It's because of the red color. 
Colors make a difference. We know that in our industries. We know, you know, the cabinetry industry, if an offshade of white or a deeper blue, it, it, it uh, sparks an emotion. So there's a simple, easy answer to you guys on the vision of employee morale. Figure out what your vision is for that. I think it's you're going to appreciate the ends on that one. Um, with a vision also comes steps. Now, I hate to say this, and I know this is the type A personality in me, but just because you have a vision, you have to figure out how to accomplish that vision. You're not a, you're not a 501c3. Some of my favorite thing, I'm going to go on a tangent for a second. Nonprofits. A nonprofit is supposed to solve a solution, right? So in theory, a nonprofit is supposed to work themselves out of a job. That's their whole goal. Fix world hunger. Once everybody's fed, they're supposed to be gone. So whatever nonprofits you have, they're supposed to work themselves out of a job. Have you ever seen a nonprofit go out of business? Never. You are not a nonprofit. You're a for-profit. So your vision better have a conclusion and it better have some measurable, obtainable goals throughout that vision. So figure out your vision. And then right after that, I want to say, okay, this is a five-year goal. This is a three-month goal. This is a two-month goal. And then I want you to market weekly, daily. How am I going to slowly go towards that vision and get it done? So let's take the simple one, for example. We talked about employee morale and paying the walls. Are your corporate colors up to speed? I'm going to walk you through this vision from start to finish, all the way through here, to really give you guys a good, good idea of what I'm talking about here. Employee morale, we decide we're going to paint the walls. So the first thing I'm going to do is go to our corporate colors because the corporate colors, they're part of morale, right? You walk in, you feel good. You walk in, you go, yes, this is the company I want to work for. I'm very excited about this. So I look at the corporate colors. When's, when's the last time you changed your corporate colors? Do you guys remember? Is it a decade old? I don't want you painting the walls with a 10-year-old thought process. Come on now. So now we have to wait and we have to go back and look at our marketing. Does our logo need to be redone? Maybe. Do the corporate colors need to be updated? Probably. And then what would be a really smart, this is a pro tip right here. I'm going to give you a pro tip. Get the employee buy-in. Pick your two or three logos that you really like and pull your company and say, all right, guys, which one do you want? I did this about five, six years ago. I actually had all three designers say, hey, bring us some logos, some ideas. The winner of the logo that the company chooses gets a $200 gift card. And that's what we did. We incentivized the designer and said, hey, go do your best work, bring them back and do it. And then the whole shop sat down. We had five logos to pick from. And then we picked the best one. And we all said, that's really cool. That's what we want to have on our shirts. This is what we want to you know, be proud of and stand behind our brand, this new logo. Now that you got your new logos and your corporate buy-in, now you're ready to paint the walls. What was it one, two, three, four step? Take you about what, a month, two weeks for the designs, a week to go over them and bless them, then a week for to put them in front of the shop guys, have them sleep on, take a look at it, and then on a Friday, on the afternoon, get together, get them off a week, an hour early, get together, do some team building, and then have them pick a logo. Now the logo's in, they're excited, they're pumped, morale is already up, now we start painting. Bring in a paint company, do it yourself. I'm not worried about the details of that, but now you're going to paint the walls of your building, you're going to paint or, uh, the inside walls, the doors, make it fun, make it lively, make it exciting. And I will, I will fast forward to the end. I will pull back the curtain for you. You will be shocked at how much happier everybody is for the first 30 days. After 30 days, you can't tell the difference of what it was a month ago from now. That's why I'm saying 30 days, not like employee morale drops back off. But for the first 30 days, you're just going to watch people just a little happier, just smiling. You're going to go, well, everybody's just in a good mood. Well, everybody's in a good mood. Everybody's in a good mood. Well, why is that? Because you painted the walls. Sounds silly, doesn't it? It works. I promise you it works. I've done it. I've watched the end goal. So that's one example of your vision, carrying it all the way through, making it happen and being done. I am very curious, though, for the bigger companies and then for the smaller companies, what is your vision now and how long is it taking you to reach that vision? Is it a new vision in the next year? Is it an old vision that you got to take out of the old, you know, back of the closet and dust it off and take the mothballs out of it and re, re uh, you know, realign it? What is your vision? What are you going for? 
I want to hear about it. Log on to YouTube. Uh, put your grand down in the comments section. You can find us on all the social medias, all the teasers for the next podcast coming up. And like always, until the next time. Oh,